Hey everybody, welcome back to Blacks in Bitcoin, where everybody's welcome, but I stay black and loving Bitcoin. And like to welcome back to the pod, the esteemed ICO startup lawyer out of California, truly a California now, thanks to a little off-air tidbit about surfing. It's small businesswoman extraordinaire, Shanita Nicholas Esquire. Welcome back to the podcast, Shanita. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's always yeah. Do you, always do you ever use the Esquire? I always kind of wonder. Do you people actually use the Esquire? Is that like really bougie? <laughs> no, I get it in my whenever I get letters in the mail. They always use Esquire. I feel fancy, but <laughs> I bet your parents put the Esquire on for you though. Do that. Don't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, so yeah, so that's actually a good segue into my first question, which is basically I just want to have you talk a little bit about what you do uh, and particularly how it might pertain to the cryptocurrency space. Of course. Yeah. So I am um, mainly a startup attorney. So I work, I work with startup clients and then also I'm um, venture capitalist on structuring equity financing from uh, seed funding all the way through um, M&A, uh, so mergers and acquisitions, transactions, um, and then also looking more recently um, at some of the companies that are looking to do ICOs and going down um, an alternative route for financing in that way. Uh, so kind of all, all of the all of the things with startups and, and how they are trying to get money and also structuring themselves um, properly so that they can uh, have, have uh, good governance. So have you found that a lot more uh, businesses uh, or startups or whatever are looking more towards ICOs or do you find that when they do look towards ICOs and you being the lawyer you are, you know, <laughs> give them that good guidance um, about, you know, ICO, uh, you know, regula regulatory guidance and governance, do you mm -hmm. find that most people just kind of just be like, ah, it's a headache, I don't want to do it? You know, for, for better or for worse, that has been um, a more common response. I think people have either decided to go through it um, and do it in a regulatory, at least people who come to me, if, if they're not coming to me, I'm, there's a lot of other people who are doing it that uh, that aren't doing it this way. But if they're coming to me, um, they've either decided uh, to go down in a regulated manner um, and, and doing it along the lines of SEC proposals if they're in the United States, um, or they're doing some sort of a hybrid mix of, of an ICO, um, still regulated, and then traditional financing um, is, is what I've been seeing lately. So would you say there are, okay, so I guess sell me as the, as the small businessman who needs to raise funds, sell me on why I would want to do a regulated ICO besides your inherent professional love of the law. <laughs> well, I mean, at, at this point, mostly, um, I can't think of really a, a startup or a business idea that won't fall under the category in the United States. If you want to raise an ICO, um, it almost has to be regulated. So it, it really then becomes jurisdictional. Um, and then that's, if you want to be in the U.S., you, you kind of have to <laughs> regulate no, it. Oh, no, I want to be an outlaw. <laughs> uh, well, and speaking of some of those outlaws, so let's say, let's say I, I had the money to, to do like a legit ICO. I'm not going to scam people. I'm going to, you know, I want to set up shop in Malta. Now, does that innately prohibit me from marketing to the United States if I don't go through a regulatory framework? It doesn't prohibit um, you as the business owner necessarily from marketing into the United States. What it prohibits potentially uh, are investors investing in you. So, uh, 
he can find you. <laughs> I mean, there there are ways people have certainly gotten around it. Um, this is not for me, but there are. Oh, you know, there are ways. okay. We might have to <laughs> um, Structuring things uh, where maybe you're not necessarily identified as a U.S. investor, but for the most part, if you're going to be identified um, in some sort of you know KYC structure that's happening, um, and you're identifying as a U.S. citizen, then you'll you'll be implicated in those legal structures, the regulations. Um, there are ways that people are trying to figure out to get around it, certainly. <laughs> um, but I think if you're looking at it that way, um, probably the crux, at least from what I've seen, the crux of individuals doing the investing um, don't tend to be in the United States. So, it, you know, I, I don't know how important it is to, if you carve out um, the entire jurisdiction of, of the states for the company. So it's really dependent on, on the company and who they're reaching out to and how they're structuring it. And again, I mentioned potentially um, some companies doing hybrid ICOs in, in um, uh, traditional equity fundraising. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of ways to think about it. Well, okay. I had another question, but uh, talk to me a little bit about what a hybrid ICO would be. What what is what is that? Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of new to me. Yeah. So you can um, you know do a traditional VC, go out and, and raise money through that. So you have your um, potentially you have a prospectus. You have you know, what is kind of the equivalent of a white paper. You're going out to you know the biggest thing going out to accredited investors for the most part, or you're under the job stack and doing um, a Reg A plus or something in that manner uh, where it's you know it's the regulated process that we talked about um, and then in conjunction with that you know you can have these tokens that are circulating in the international market that you're raising funds for and the question then becomes well how do these two interrelate with one another um and maybe you're giving away the you know i depends on on how how the company may structure it but you just have these two streams of um equity and you know both of those uh, financiers that are coming in will will request different um, judging criteria from you on on um, how you're going to execute on it. So it it tends to be less likely, and this is just a big um, caveat for a company that's doing an ICO. Typically, from what I've seen, you know they don't have the platform built out. Um, it's usually an idea. Um, it's usually a really amazing, innovative idea, uh, and you know the funding is to build the platform to actually create it. When you look at traditional equity fundraising and, and potentially why some of a lot of people have gotten away from it, um, you almost need a finished product of some sort, at least in our first iteration, um, for people to be interested. So you know that's the the playoff. There's a lot of gives and takes involved with doing something like that, um, depending on who you're looking for investors. No, it almost sounds like you're running like two simultaneous simultaneous ICOs, one in the United States and one for the rest of the world where, you know, there are less rules, but then the one with the United States is like, you know, a little more formal. Is that, is that about accurate? Yeah, I, I think that's right. It won't, it wouldn't be Hybrid an ICO. Model. Yeah, hypothetically, it wouldn't be an ICO in the States because you wouldn't be doing it through coins. If you're doing it through coins and it's regulated. Oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> then you might as well just do it that one way. Yeah, you might as well go to Malta. Yeah, exactly. You're going to break yeah. <laughs> so, Okay, you know, that's fair. Yeah. So, all right, well, and that kind of brings me to uh, one of my other questions. Actually, a hybrid of a question because I see a couple of them mm -hmm. smashed into. Uh, so if I were to, to start an ICO, 
I mean, in, you know, not necessarily, you know, advertising your service per se, but like what can someone expect in a range of, of uh, legal expenses? Like, are we talking like, I mean, let's, let's say, let's say I want to get an ICO up and running within six months, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, what kind of, what kind of ballpark are we looking at? Like start to finish? I mean, it sounds kind of expensive, no? Yeah. I mean, it can be pretty pricey. You're essentially writing out, you know, the a perspective. So if you're talking about regulated, you're going through all of the, um, the forms and um, regulations that have to be fulfilled. So you're you're looking at least at a retainer of twenty five to fifty thousand, and then you know as hours build up and depending on complexity and how many investors you have coming in can go um, up from there. But I you know I wouldn't imagine a retainer being less than than that that twenty five to fifty thousand dollar range. Ah, hit you in your pockets. That was cheap to do an ICO. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. So this is, you know, if you're pulling all the stops and getting the documentation done. And um, again, it, it is specific on the company. Uh, but I, I would first see at least a, a request for a retainer about that. Okay. So, so what about... So, so one of my questions is, do you feel like... is Or is there a significant fear, uh, at least among... Um, the legal side of the crypto community that the either the IRS or the government or whatever can would is going to retroactively go back and punish people who are doing unregulated ICOs that are based in the United States. You know, I think that that is a fear that's been circulated for sure. I think there's two fears from the law firm perspective or a legal perspective. One is that retroactive um, punishment for companies that just went ahead and, and did it and there's fines involved in that and more money. Um, and, you know, the second to that is reputational for, you know, really everyone involved from the legal perspective, you know, if you're giving bad legal advice that has come back to bite your client in the butt, you know, that's your, that's your livelihood. So you, you lose <laughs> your reputational standing in a way um, you can be as upfront as, as you can possibly be um, about the changing regulations and things like that. But at the end of the day, if something comes back and, and says the way that you analyzed this law was just wrong, you know, it, it, there's still a reputational aspect to it. Um, so it's a, it's a tug, tug of war almost for wanting to be ahead of the curve and innovative. Um, and not halting growth and innovation, uh, but also, you know, tempering that so that you're not getting too ahead of the law in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so what is so within the legal community? Do they see uh, ICOs and, and even crypto in general as like as a new opportunity? Like, like oh, here's this great new you know cash cow we can drum more business in, or do they or do they kind of feel like it's it's this you know weird unregulated thing that's going to be eventually stomped down, and we're just not going to want to have anything to do with it? And I only ask that mm -hmm. because like my like the lawyer for Cinema Draft, like the second I brought up cryptocurrency, she's like, I don't know anything about it. I'm not licensed regularly to do anything. Don't talk to me about your, you know, don't talk to me about your intangible coins. To kind of quote Trevon James, don't talk to me about your intangible coins. So yeah, so what, what do you, what, I mean, at least from your perspective, um, and especially being on the front lines, you know, for the people, for the, you know, the crypto people, what, what do you think has been general legal reception about mm -hmm. this new business? Yeah, I mean, I think you know from what the attorney you spoke with said. It really is, you know, there's some legal requirements that we as attorneys have that you can't give legal advice on something you don't know about. And 
a lot of people just don't know about this area. Um, and it's hard to know about it because it's always changing and there's no set rules. So it's hard to say in almost all perspectives of it from a um, design perspective and engineering and a service provider to say that you're an expert in it. Like it's just really hard at this stage to be an expert in ICL's crypto blockchain, like it's just not. <laughs> There's no real school, right? There's I mean, no thing yet. I mean yeah. people, people are making up like blockchain university or and Ripple gave out money to yeah. Arizona State or whatever, but you know, mm -hmm. hey, you know, nothing's like really accredited per se. So, right, exactly. I was like, that, I'm, I'm a cryptocurrency you know, expert. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've just been around for five years, that's it. <laughs> I think that makes you, be, I think time and, and being around it is, is the name of the game here and just knowing what the waves have been. Um, I think people are excited in the legal community for what there what could be, um, but there's you know there's certainly a hesitation of, of that moving forward because of that particular raising it, you know, I get so many emails in them that I see circulating of just other attorneys asking who has expertise in it. And it, you know, there's not a lot of people raising their hands to say, yes, it's me. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. you're a hot commodity, huh, Shanita? Oh, I, I'm not saying I have an expert. <laughs> I'm still learning as we go, but I've seen a bit more than than a lot of attorneys have. But it, and, and that's not saying uh, a, a huge ton just because there's so much that's going on every day with it. Okay. Well, so do you have any piece of advice to those crypto slash ICO investors out there? Besides, of course, we always say DYOR, <laughs> do your own research. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, we kind of talked about this before, you know, knowing is our jurisdictional restrictions important to your company? Is that something that's going to impact you um, in, in any way on, on where you are physically? Um, and then, you know, looking at the options of um, different platforms um, on, you know, what's the, the easiest way to go about this legal regime while still building up your company? Because there's there is a ton of information. So trying to figure out, you know, if it's a platform or you know a meetup group or whatever it is that brings together different experts on the topic from different areas so that you start to get um you may not be expert in all the areas but you start to quarterback uh what your ico process looks like okay all right well well that was very enlightening and frightening <laughs> as a u.s <laughs> citizen sadly who knows maybe i might be moving to malta sometime soon but no this is all really good information i appreciate it uh want to uh bring you around to uh our next segment which is for the culture and as many of you all know my background is in entertainment and i want this uh, segment to be about something in entertainment or pop culture that really moved my vessel or to highlight something or someone that was uh, black in Bitcoin. Sometimes it'll be in crypto, sometimes it won't. Uh, this time it has absolutely nothing to do with crypto because we're taking it back to 1985 maybe because last weekend I binged the second season of Glow that is the gorgeous ladies of wrestling was incredible because one, yes, I am old enough to remember when Glow used to show up on when I was a kid, like late at night on like the public was like the, the public access channel or something or like late night, like, you know, channel 13 or whatever. And they'd be jumping from the top rope with these ridiculous costumes and stuff. So I absolutely loved to kind of see that little bit of nostalgia, super 80s style, but also it's like a really well done 
half hour uh, show on Netflix. There's only 10 of them. You can knock through it in the night. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's excellent. That is my, for the culture. I love it. It was, it's a great time. And I, and you know, you can see, you can actually watch both seasons probably in a day. They go by just that fast. It's really good. It's a really good show. Uh, do you have a contribution for the culture, Shanita? For the culture? Oh, I didn't think <laughs> this is something I should have thought about. <laughs> um, you, don't, you don't watch you don't watch her or enjoy anything all well, crypto all the time? No, actually, what I'm excited for this weekend, I'm coming out tomorrow, the new movie, Sorry to Bother You. Um, so yes. excited about it. So that that's you now know my weekend plans. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a really great kind of multi-faceted um, movie to, to go watch. So for the culture preview, okay, I can respect that. And thank you for reminding me too, because because tonight, uh, shortly after we wrap up here, I'm going to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp in 3D D-Box. So stuff will be flying on my face while my seat's moving. It's going to be the best of all worlds. <laughs> and then, and yeah, and, I, and usually I look for something Friday mornings or afternoons to watch. And I will probably go check out Sorry to Bother You. That's that's a great recommend. Look at you. <laughs> look at you, Shanita. Adding to the culture. Try, try and do it for the culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know your hours are always billable and you are still at the office and I can't afford this conversation. So we're going to wrap it up and let you get back to work or get you out of there. Uh, where can you find Blacks and Bitcoin? You can start by going to our site at blacksinbitcoin.com, B-L-A-C-K-S in bitcoin.com. We also have a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. No Snapchat, you don't do none of that. <laughs> you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, wherever you find your favorite podcast at for free. We also have our YouTube channel. Also, feel free to contribute any way you can to our pod. We have links below in the description uh, if you're watching this on YouTube to either get your Bitcoin at Coinbase. If you get your first $10, they'll give you an extra $10, and I'll get $10. That's very helpful. Or you can tip us at my blockchain wallet. That really long line of numbers in the description right there. And of course, visit the B Blacks and Bitcoin store. Always bet on Bitcoin or Black Bitcoin. Always bet on Black, aka Wesley Snipes Past 57. Go check it out at zazzle.com slash Blacks and Bitcoin. Tell all your friends, tell a friend, tell a friend. Anything you want to plug before we're out of here, Shanita? Uh, yeah, we are um, almost up and running at Sip and Sonder Coffee Shop mm. in Englewood. Uh, we were just showcased um, in the Essence online magazine the other day. So, um, really? Strange. But yeah, just uh, we're, we're out and about in Englewood. <laughs> Well done, and, you know, and honestly, if we'd actually coordinated this, my bet I would have shown my Sip and Sonder mug. I was the very first Sip and Sonder <laughs> mug purchaser, right? Yeah. All right, that's right. You know, keeping keeping our dollars black. All right, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for tuning in, listening, watching, uh, and sharing. If and as always, if you love Bitcoin, hodl if you hear me. Peace. <laughs>